Welcome to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. Thanks for listening. Today, I am interviewing the princess of the Bowie household, a legacy of Vietnamese refugees and vanguard Asian Americans. Please welcome Teresa Bowie. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. It's <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wow. That's me. That's like it's an introduction. Like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so thank you for being on this podcast. Yeah. This is this is going to be a lot of fun. It's good to um, connect to emerging artists because I have to make a commitment to to keen on on everyone. Mm-hmm. And I met you where we're recording right now, right? Yeah, at the Last Resort, yeah. beautiful place. Absolutely, and we'll we may talk about that a little bit. But I want to get right into what your background is, your creative practice, mm-hmm. and really what drew you to like the mediums in which you're working in. Mm-hmm. So Rob, that's a pretty com- compact, dense question because I work, I work in everything. I was actually telling my professor, like one of the most beautiful things I learned in school was understanding and embracing my whole process, which is a lot because for me, I do a lot of poetry mm-hmm. and I like to talk like this as if like I'm so enchanting or something, but my words are important. But when I'm thinking so much, I tend to think about experience because I only want to talk from a point of truth as mm-hmm. you might know with your podcast and then when I think about like my embodied experience which to me is like the most fullest truth is the most real thing we can touch we can feel I think about my body and when I think about my body I think about how I want to move how I want to perform how I want to be in the world am I standing up straight back Am I walking with confidence? It is a bad day or something? And naturally, like you heard, it goes into my feelings. And I think about sound. I think about rhythm. And that's back to poetry. And now we do a full circle. And I mentioned that because if you look me up, you might find me doing performative work. Um, I did a big collaboration with my brother in the Washington Project for the Arts. I also make a lot of sound bits for my friends for... One time I did a fashion show, I did their music line, Um, and I also make some music out of my poetry. I just think, what am I going to leave behind? And Mm -hmm. I want, I want them to see the full thing, the whole 360. Yeah. So how did you, how did you get started specifically in the performative poetry, I think is the way that I've seen it described. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The performative poetry thing. Well... It really has to start with just just a word, mm-hmm. just a word. Um, I think that we tend to think of fine arts as something just so pure. And I think I got into art actually because I realized how manipulative everything is around me. Like even if it's for a good thing, your phone is designed to fit in your hand so perfectly. You don't even <laughs> question it. You're like, wow, this feels so good. Ah, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then I just, uh, when I saw like billboards and posters, mm-hmm. like those signs that say "Thank you for not smoking," yeah. do you know how, that's so passive aggressive and so smart? I was like, "Wow, they make me feel good about not being myself," and they win. <laughs> and when I thought about that, I think about all these messages I hear from everybody, and when I'm trying to learn my own voice, mm-hmm. I'm like what is that beyond anyone I'm speaking to? Like when I write a letter, 
I naturally write differently if I'm thinking about my grandma, if I think about my mom, mm. if I'm thinking about a professional email. And so the, po the words come first about who I'm thinking of. And then the performance comes second because even if it is, even if there is a motive behind it, I think that's okay. I think people always mix up life, art, performance. And as you can tell by the way I talk, my, my like poetry naturally comes out performative. Yeah. Like, There's a lot of gesticulating going on over there. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It's just, that's just how things flow. Yeah. yeah. So can you think back to like one of those like kind of first like instances where you're like, all right, this is something that, you know, in terms of having a knack for poetry, having a knack for like, being a being a performer uh -huh. can you think back on one of those and was there a memorable example that comes to mind yes which is very odd because i can't really say that from anything in my life um <laughs> <laughs> but i remember i entered art school out of Oh, out of queer confusion i was like oh no who am i like <laughs> and then I just kept talking to myself and I remember one of my first poems was I needed to write a prayer which was so odd because growing up Catholic they really taught you performance and suppression all that kneeling all that bowing all that mm -hmm. yeah so but for some reason when I wrote that prayer um, it was kind of like a surrender I was like as I was talking about before um, I was thinking about, dang, if I'm done, if this is it for me, then what will I want them to know? And I also wrote to my past self being like, I'm sorry, but also this is, this is it. Like, <laughs> I don't know, it, it was really empowering just to hear my voice and I would read it over and over again. And the words slowly became empty, but just being able to practice that allowed me to come into my voice. Yeah. So that's that's something that was just a, just an early and very like transformational piece for you where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, this is this is the thing. And my my first like podcast, I just made uh -huh. fun of some fat guy getting a contract. That that's <laughs> that was what informed my process of being yeah. <laughs> like we were talking about earlier. <laughs> Whatever works, honestly. God gave you fat guy, and you're like, yeah, okay, chill. <laughs> thanks, thanks for this 300-pound guy. Hell Appreciate yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, how do you like, like, write like these days? How do you like, how do your po uh, your poems develop and got us through like those stages of maybe writing or performing a like, a piece? Mm -hmm. Well. Can I actually read you something? Uh, and, sure, sure. Sure, because I think it's very important to my process. Um, so a lot of my thinking just comes from first unlearning. I want to make sure that I'm not just responding to everything in the world because that's, that's just a continuation. Everyone's just having a big conversation right now, but what are you contributing? And that's the question. So you got to ask, like, when someone's talking about, I don't know, Easy to not easy topic, but like being Asian American, how are you gonna break that down? Like, are you gonna be who are you talking about? The political side, the deep experiential side, and so I'm just absolutely breaking down every word, every thought into the feeling. As I said about 
the sound of it, the performance of it, the words behind it. And so uh, this piece is very simple, but I like it. <clears throat> it goes, naming beauty. It wasn't a sky this morning. It was, it is a memory. I remembered how uncomfortable I feel with the visual arts because I know I've already seen it all. I've seen this sky and yet I don't recognize that picture. We named it sky and so I didn't recognize it as skin, as space, as black, as all, as life, as everything. So instead, I'll call it beautiful. And so to me, that's it. Like when I see a garage sale, Mm -hmm. I don't think around I think my dad, man, it would be fun if I went with him. Yeah. When I see Chinese checkers, I'm not thinking about the Chinese. I'm thinking about like, <laughs> I'm thinking about playing with my cousins when I grew up. And so um, these words are just so embedded. And so when I think about just any topic, I want to fully unfold it. And I want to make sure that you feel everything around it. Mm -hmm. So how, like, it's, it's, it sounds immersive. It sounds like you want someone to be dipped into what your experience is and how it relates to you as the, the person writing or the person performing it. Um, yeah, at least that's what I'm taking. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone wants to be told something. They want to be showed. Yeah. No, I, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, yeah because I, I think on both sides of it, if you're being shown something or told something, that's not the 100% truth. There, uh -huh. There's interpretations, there's all of this different stuff or what have you, yeah. so that's, that's a piece of it. Uh, okay, this this is one I actually I think this is a funny question. Okay, what is your what is the strongest influence you had growing up in these particular areas? Um, was it other artists, uh, movies, cartoons, comics? What what are those things in terms of maybe like pop culture or in the arts that had an influence on you growing up? If you mentioned some cartoons, like man, I really like Mickey Mouse. It's like, all right, <laughs> he's pretty cool, but. <laughs> kind of along the same lines i grew up lonely but but i had a lot of time with children's books like <laughs> through my high school years i would bike to barnes and nobles i had friends but you know they're, they're like doing things and i'm not so, <laughs> so I, I would read children's books because they're so entertaining and also they get the biggest points across about life in the simplest ways possible and then you absolutely fill in the blanks you think about all your own experiences through those simple words and i just like that uh that distance yet also that amount of room to just exist with the work and yeah. on that same level i like the sky. I like Whitney Houston. I like Charlie XCX. I love Kim Petras. But growing up, yeah, that, that has to be it. Children's books. That's legit. That's yeah. uh, and I think I think the people who are writing children's books because uh, children they're a source of truth. Yeah. And you know they don't they they're not broken down yet by yeah. the rigors of adulthood, <laughs> and they'll be honest with you like eh, I think that sucked. It's like wow wow. So yeah. for someone that's using them as a representation of their audience. Yeah. It's like I'm writing for children. There's You're getting some truth. You're getting something that it, it might be, oh, this is for a kid, but also it, it's still that too, that it's it's true in there. There's truth in there. There's something like you're not 
you're not brought down. You're not brought down by being a grown up. And mm -hmm. there's still imagination and all of these different things that you can kind of chase and follow through on. Absolutely. And you know what gives me the most hope? What's that? Adults write children's books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but children wrote children's books. But children wrote adult books. Oh, shit. Yo. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, talk about complementary skills that you've like and being an artist being an artist that's emerging what complementary skills because i think a lot of times we're in a very diy sort of space mm -hmm. what skills that you've had to do out of necessity mm -hmm. that might not necessarily relate to your work but you're like you know what i'm really able to do that now i'm able to code now for whatever reason or mm -hmm. what, what something that comes to mind i can now Stare at a camera straight in the little eye hole and commit to the moment 100%. Like, my brothers used to like to take photos, and I'll just be like, oh, like, what do I do with my leg? Or, like, where does this go? Why is this draping over here? And recently, I did a performance project with my brother, and we did not choreograph this. And my brother just turned on the speakers and was like, we have to do this. The sun's about to go down. So I was dancing like half naked in the middle of the forest and we we're paying this videographer and we just had to get it done. And, <laughs> and I think the greatest skill is that is I think any artist learns to do that. You just have to work with what you got. Mm -hmm. Like, And the beauty of that is that as much as we love high quality, like there is a degree of like, this is kind of bad quality, this is good, but most people just appreciate if you could get it done yeah. and with confidence, that's even better, yeah. I think that's what, when people talk about this and you know, I try not to fucking ride my own dick about yeah. pop, that's a ridiculous way to say <laughs> it, but seriously, it's a thing of like, yeah, you know, uh, try not to smell my own farts. How about yeah. that? Is that better? Uh, it's like, man, you're working out there. You're doing this. You're, you're putting the stuff out there. It's like, but there, there's work that goes into it or what have you. And it's just continually trying to chase, like, what is that interview about? What is that mm -hmm. person about? And chasing connection, chasing community. Yeah. That's what I look for in it. And it might be in doing five or six interviews in a day. Yeah. It, it might be that. And you know, pretty much going with the, the the notion of working with what you got. It's like, I have a gift for being able to have conversations in an authentic way and it resonate with people. Yeah. And I have equipment. So there you go. It's just, it's just right there. We do have a gift though. <laughs> we feel it. Yeah. Um, this is a real quick one. Okay. Uh, what is the greatest modern invention? Oh, see, you say that's quick. <laughs> I think it is. But what, but in, in, in why do you think it's the greatest modern invention? See, when you ask me that, I want to tell you, like, religion, colonialism. Wow. White man. But... <laughs> the white man is an invention? <laughs> this is taking an interesting okay, turn. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but, but, but steering it back to go back to the question, my answer... I love slang. Like, okay. I love how people will take up chopped up accidents, like autocorrects, or even like my own experience of my immigrant parents not being able to pronounce anything and it just being absorbed by the people mm -hmm. and then turned and uplifted into something cool. That is what democracy should aim to be. Like, that is beautiful. Also, who doesn't love the word fucking? Like, that's a great word. <laughs> you're, 
your character. That's great. No, no, no. But I think I think that's really on brand too. In that, um, it, it's a means to communicate in a different way. It's not always literal. Sometimes it can be literal. Using using that using that word as an example. Yeah. Um, and it, it's on brand in that your 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 writer, your your poet, so yeah. it makes sense that oh yeah. no, slang is great. Don't forget that. Slang is, is wonderful. So cool. And then it has this regional component. It has this uh, identity component. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of different things. And I like, I like when, <laughs> I like when like different when, when it's unexpected. Yeah. I like researching slang. So it's like, what's that mean? What's that yeah. new rap slang? Right. There? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me look into that. Yeah. Like I'm trying to figure out what pushing P is still. I don't know what the hell it is. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> the rappers are talking about it. I don't know. Well, I think it's like. Also, okay, so I grew up in the Bronx in my young years, mm-hmm. and then I moved to Texas, and I'm, like, a little bit more conscious during my teenage years. H-Town. And, <laughs> yeah, and people, I say the word brother, 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 brother. People <laughs> used to make fun of me that so much, and they're like, why are you saying it like that? I'm like, what? They're like, you can't say your T-H's. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, where are you from? Like, also, like, what are you? And I'm like, wow. Uh, like a shit like it's a wild question <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm just trying to talk about my family here but yeah. but i've learned to embrace that it's like kind of cool just that was from my parents vietnamese people can't say ths <laughs> like, there's there's certain words like here regionally in baltimore yeah. that 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 that's what would make it really funny the yeah. longer you're here yeah you'll already have like the th thing right yeah and then you start saying like doug and it's like we don't we don't like just baltimore it's like yo yeah. you are just you've been here for a while <laughs> that's how i judge how long because you know transient city how yeah. long someone has been here by what baltimoreism they start saying yeah so like I, I I don't think I really sound like a Baltimorean too 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 heavy, but I've always been here. I remember my girlfriend one time. She was like, "Say orange." I was like, "Fuck you." She's like, "Why say? Why does it sound like you said orange?" I was like, "Look, kiss my ass." Wait, what? Uh huh. Uh-huh. She's like, she's like, you were hiding it for a while. She's like, you say everything else probably. She's like, I peeped it. Let me get some orange juice. I was like, you go kiss my ass. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You have like a hi-hat in the middle of your orange juice. <laughs> Literally. And yeah. she, she's an English major, so yeah. she definitely is keying in on words. She's like, yeah. say that again. Damn. Yeah, Call what was that drink for the morning? <laughs> it's okay. We can sympathize. Yeah. Um, so I wrote a blog years ago yes. about um, reminding myself <laughs> that there's the extraordinary in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I think having that conversation and that, that dialogue with myself kind of inspired awe. What are some things for you that inspire awe? And you might know that that came out of an interview that you did. Uh huh. I was uh, stalking. <laughs> I am inspired by fire. I <laughs> and uh, fire and honestly, spiders and how they make their homes. Mm-hmm. So spiders can literally shit their homes. <laughs> Wow. And it is so natural. It is so instinctual. It provides everything they need. Fire is free. It is alive. And I'm going to connect this up. Basically saying that I'm so aware of all the influences happening around me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't watch too much TV, but I know that media is influencing my steps. I know that when I enter a professional environment, I naturally want to speak a different way. And when I watch these animals and just nature i am so jealous i'm jealous of their freedom of their instinct of how they move 
just watching a fire move in the wind is so just it's beautiful and i mm. think that stands testament to how people just sit there around it watching it and it's just there when you want it when you need it every single one of them is different it's not like the snowflakes they claim gen z to be like no this is something special happening and i think that stays true to my poetry of how mm. I really am just trying to break everything so I can pick up the pieces and see what picture I want to make out of it. Like, I don't know. I I'm still I still hope to just keep working on that till the end. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think the other thing with the that fire piece that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think even when you create something that is artificial. Yeah. One of the things with fire, it's hard to make fire that's artificial that still rings true as fire you can have a flamethrower but a naturally occurring fire like something that happened in the woods or something yes. it behaves and moves in a certain way that has that beauty that's with it yeah you see someone with a flamethrower it's like no this is just concentrated like destruction or what have you but you know flames that are just naturally moving while destructive is still a beauty in that yes see i think that's probably done an interview here now. Uh, <laughs> So share some of your most common sources for knowledge. You mentioned that you're not a big TV person. So I would imagine you, you as, as a person, as a writer, as a person, you're, you're an intellectual. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what are some of your sources for knowledge? Where do you get, are you a person that's a voracious reader? Are you an ebook person? Where do you get, what are your sources of knowledge? Okay. Life, man. <laughs> Life is just so amazing. No, <laughs> it's a big contrast here. And I hope everyone's listening knows that I'm a Gemini, so please forgive me. But <laughs> so it ranges from such a good song being like Kanye West's new workout plan. That is, wow, so beautiful. <laughs> to, wow. to Audre Lorde, to Ocean Bung, to Tommy Teeves Pico. And of course, I listen to my poets because they have obviously like trekked their journey. They are working within their own rhythm, their own instinct, like I was just talking about before. And they're talking about some deep stuff. But to me, it, it, the human part of it all, the thing that keeps it real is that little sense of humor, that fun rhythm that even if you don't understand the poem, you'll get through it just because you feel it. You like feel the words just moving. And I really respect um, those people who walk the line of it. Mm -hmm. Of course, that is Kendrick Lamar. And if you listen to his album version of I, at the very end, he does this very beautiful acoustic poetry rapping, talking about his his breaking down of the n-word yeah. and to me i was like wow you did it like you found the absolute through line yeah. and i grew up oddly enough i did grow up grow up on that because i threw up, grew up with three older brothers and so i was just bopping to whatever they were bopping to and so knowledge comes in both um the content and the how of it and mm. so i gather my content from intellectuals i love reading heavy books and theories and i love listening to philosophy and whatnot but the how of it i want to make sure that it goes smooth and mm. i get that from music a lot of the time that's that's legit i yeah. bet on this deep dive of like robert green stuff uh mm. 
and just like how to navigate through it. And sometimes it might be even like I don't go out too often, but when I do, I try to make the most of it. And yeah. sometimes it'll be like going to like someone's opening or what have you. And it's reminiscent to what Andre Leon, Tal Leon Talley was talking about. Yeah. And, you know, the chef on trenches. And it's like, oh, this is how you got to navigate this and seeing it like in practice is kind of big so it's like yeah. that's a source of wisdom for me that's a source of knowledge mm -hmm. it's like i haven't experienced this yet but going in and wanting to have one something to talk about this seem like you're actually interesting versus just being quiet in a corner like a drip because i will be quiet in a corner like a drip <laughs> but being able to kind of see these things and it gives you a little i think knowledge gives you a little bit of a preparation so i think in it it's even conversations like this is yeah. a source of knowledge for me um, you learn about people's practice, you learn about how they navigate being an artist, being a creative, being an entrepreneur, you learn about these things. And I think all of these things can be tied together. Like some of the funnier times are when I do an interview and I reference another artist yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I just did this interview. Why am I acting like this is posted yet? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I got to be mindful of when I'm putting these episodes yeah, out. Like, yeah. like that hasn't happened yet in podcast land, yeah. you know? Um, so what elements of your your family lineage or Vietnamese culture is embedded in your work? Mm. You know, I gotta ask that. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> okay, so I gotta say, my my dad is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> like, I want to answer this question in two parts because in terms of my family, my dad has this pretty cool golden compass he carries. Mm -hmm. He sucks at business, but he is a businessman who somehow raised his entire family, four children, him and his wife. And whenever he opened a business, he also went bankrupt at one point, like he's bad, but he's also good. <laughs> um, he opened a laundromat in New York City because he said, I need to make money and the location's good. Mm -hmm. He opened a fashion company where my mom used to go to New York City Fashion Week and copy the notes and then they would make pseudo fashion templates of it. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, and then my dad only did that because he saw other Vietnamese families around when they all moved to New York and he's like, well, they, they can join in if anything. So he was able to give them jobs. He opened a casino to help raise money for the church, which is just wild. <laughs> and then we ended up moving to Texas because he wanted to open a farm, but he doesn't know anything about farm work. <laughs> but he said, your mom's family is down there. We got to go down there. Yeah. And my dad's like, Texas farm, let's do it. And I don't get how, but it worked. And to me, like maintaining that level of intention when going through a process is absolutely what I always try to keep on mind. Mm -hmm. Like, I can say what I want to say, but why am I doing this? Like, is it that important that people, I don't know, hear my angst or something? Like, no, maybe that could stay in my diary, but maybe this should actually <laughs> benefit somebody. And yeah. I don't know, I have to parse through all the thoughts and all the intentions. And I have to be like mindful of myself when doing that and the people around me because my dad wasn't doing this just for money for anything he was doing it to raise his family his community himself mm -hmm. and he took the risk but in terms of vietnamese culture 
I gotta say, I grew up with believers, like people who, out of all odds of war, of great loss, of great waters, they're here today. Mm -hmm. And they might say it's faith. They might, some people might say it's luck or skill because I don't know, they had each other or something. Or maybe, I don't know, American kindness, whatever. You can name it whatever you want, but they truly believed. And I think that to me, that is important to anyone's artwork. It's rough out here. Being an artist is not fabulous. <laughs> it's not super cool. Like, it is cool. But we are kind of making little money here. <laughs> so, like, you really have to believe that this is going to something. Like, when I write my words, I really believe that someone, even one person might find this. And I really believe that if I couldn't talk to my grandma because of language barriers back then, then maybe at least my intention will go up. I don't know. And I don't know if that's necessarily Vietnamese either. I think if anything that speaks to me being an American and the disconnect and the favorite word diaspora that comes <laughs> <laughs> that comes with the big hyphen in my identity <laughs> like that requires a lot to just keep going and I, I think any person of color would understand that like it's not great but we do it we're, we're still going yeah it's it's you're you're in a spot where you're honoring one side of the the hyphen as it were yeah while being in the other side of the hyphen and the opportunities may not exist in the same way or the identity might not be the same way yeah as other people who are american american or you know like however they present it it's like wow i'm born here dick or <laughs> I, I live here or whatever the thing is yeah and you know, it's like, how does one define what that looks like and like paying homage? I think when you pay too much homage and reverence to your cultural, your identity and all mm -hmm. of that, and, and people do it, you know, it's, it's weird. Everybody does it in different yeah. ways. It's like, where's the American part in there? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's always in this baked in. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Um, the last question I got before I get to rapid fire questions, oh, can't gosh. let you leave okay. without having those. Um, how do you manage to, to fit like writing, fit like performance, the rehearsal component mm -hmm. um, into your the demands of your time, your 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 day to day kind of stuff? Because you know it's a muscle, right? When wherever we're doing our creative practice, and if we let it fall to the wayside, then you know that's a thing <laughs> in itself. Yeah. So how do you manage time in that way? <clears throat> hmm. I like to think of time as a long arc. I only heard this in reference to Martin Luther King, but believing that, that humanity has a long arc to it, that, as I said, mentioned in terms of this faith, this believing that there is an end goal of goodness, and whether it's my own or the greater good, and I gotta be patient, like, <laughs> I will get there, so instead of trying to create a, like, a really demanding structure to produce, to churn word out i work with how my body is telling me in the moment and so right now for example i haven't been writing too much and i think i'm in a state of a peer absorption of peer 
taking in very slow thinking right now as in I see something and I go that's white it's soft it has lines mm-hmm Cool, that's an ottoman. Haha, bet you didn't think of that. Okay. <laughs> and then, so that's where I'm right at right now. And then once I feel like my thoughts are my material for how I work. Um, so that's how I'm picking up my material. And then it's not magic. It won't suddenly come out of me, but I am writing every now and then. But that's for my own purpose, for my mm-hmm. own personal sanity. And then in terms of performance, I'm making sure to stretch every day. Um, <laughs> that, that is important, but also makes me think about my body, as in, uh, about my embodied experience. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite things is when I look, when I do the butterfly position, I'm like, man, I haven't seen my toes in a long time. <laughs> this is great. I love looking at my toes. And I like seeing and feeling the magic of my whole body. And then when it comes to sound, I'm always listening to that, um, but I am much more of a slow worker than most people, and I think that's. I feel like that's similar for a lot of people who aren't in visual arts mm-hmm. or necessarily like painting or traditional visual arts. Yeah, that's that's legit. I, I yeah. think, I think it's because there's that other side too, where yeah. there's this. Um, pressure to perform, produce, and that may not even be the reason why you're doing your work. Yeah, it's like it hits me when it hits me to do it, and yeah. I find like I find that those outside factors are the ones that come in. And like, why aren't you putting anything out? It's like, because <laughs> I haven't, Dick. Like, what do we? <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and you know, like in doing this kind of kind of pace or what have you. Like, I yeah. think I was telling you, I record a bunch in a day. Yeah. And it might be stuff that's going out and turns into like the other side of it. Like yeah. early on in this podcast series, um, it, I was finding it challenge, challenging to get one podcast out per week. And now I'm putting out three or four in a week. Wow. So it's like on the other side of it. And but that's as you probably can imagine, it's a yeah. taxing thing of like, OK, where's that balance coming in? Yeah. Um, but uh, for for me, it's. I, I think I need to constantly be in it, even if it's, it, it enables me to better come up with questions, better converse with people. Um, then if I don't do, I feel like, let's say if I take a week off or something, and then I come back, I'm like, I got nothing. I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> and I feel like that first one, when I come back, yeah. I'm going to describe it as something. Just remind me after we're off mic, I'll describe it as that. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, I just feel like, all right, I need to get that first one out of the way so I can come back stronger. So sometimes it might just be me prepping just so I feel like that leftover of not being in practice is out of the way. Yeah. And I want to add on to that. Just to drop some art school knowledge, the very few that they gave me. (laughs) But (laughs) I remember our teacher was about to start the critique and she said, try to find a 10%. And I was like, what? And she goes, like, only 10% of this artwork is really special. The 90% is there to, like, keep it together, keep it whole. Mm. But you got to find that 10% and keep running with it. So then in the next piece, that 10% becomes a 90%. And now you have a whole new 10%. And that's when you just, that's when you get really, like, you're you're what they call, quote, unquote, unique. Or I don't know (laughs) what that is, but... I, I think that's true. Like, yeah. 
We're not special. A lot of it is shit. Like you vomit first, <laughs> you vomit, and then and then the good stuff comes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you like when I, when someone wants to get in this realm, and I'm yeah. and, and I've said it over and over again. I'm really trying to get this into a spot of yeah. podcasting as a this is a creative expression. This yeah. is it's it's an art. It's an art to it, and I, I think when it, when someone's like I want to get started and I want to get started in this whole podcast journey, it's like you put out ten of them, do ten. Just to see where you're at. I mean, yeah. a lot are going to be, you know, shitty, but put out ten just to see. Like, do you have the stamina for this? Do you have the energy for this? What do you, What are you trying to get over yeah. and to get you into the practice? That if you do take a break, you gotta you gotta just kind of get back in the flow. You have to be a person that's like when you look at actors, right? Yeah. Are you working or are you not? Like, it's been four years since between the, the last time I've acted. Yeah. Oh. You're going to be rusty. <laughs> yeah. You know, you need to be doing it dipped into what your practice is regularly. That's, yeah. that's my thought. Can I throw in a compliment for everyone here? I feel like your podcast, you're like a audio photographer. Like what makes photographers really special is how they make people feel comfortable on camera. And then they can capture that moment. And they're like special moment <laughs> with, with their, um, whoever they're capturing. And a lot of podcasts are, they're like uh, rifting through a, a topic or their, their voice is really nice or um, I don't know, they're just producing content. But I think that what you're doing really is creative work where you're trying to get to know these artists. You're trying to capture them the same way the lens does. But in terms of our sound. Well, yeah. thank you. No I appreciate that. All right. Now, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna ruin everything you just said by hitting you with some rapid fire. Questions. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So these the way that these rapid fire questions work, they're okay. intended to be as brief as possible. It's kind of that look. I said what I said. Okay. You know, kind of one of those things. All right. When I say the word home, home is identity, right? Mm -hmm. um, what's the first word that comes to mind? <sighs> Pillow. Wow. <laughs> um, that's gonna be your answer. <laughs> Don't worry, when this gets chopped up and we start having like, so this is what Teresa had to say about this. Pillow. Uh, it's so soft. It's so nice. You so, described the ottoman as that five minutes ago. It supports me. <laughs> um, music, podcast, or silence when you're working? Music, podcast, or silence? Music. Okay. Describe your style, and that can be however, whether it be fashion, whether it be art, whether it be just your personal style, the way that you navigate through the world. Describe your style in one word. Grandma. <laughs> wow. Um, this is great. Uh, what is the stupidest deer you've ever agreed to? It's like you immediately regretted this, like, I should not have done this. Might be eating extra spicy Indian food one night. No, that was me. That was me. Sorry. Thank you. Thinking out loud. Mmm, mmm. When my friend said, hey, there's a girl waiting downstairs for you. I was like, what? I was like, I dare you to go down? Mm. The after of that story, horrible. Oh. I feel like that's another after <laughs> my <Mike> conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, <laughs> what object do you misplace or lose the most? My glasses. <laughs> I can't see half the time. Like I said, when I take my glasses off, my eyes are gone, so I'm gonna find my freaking glasses. Exactly. 
usually it's um it's usually my ID or my keys. Okay. <laughs> it's like where the fuck are my keys at? And that's true. Yeah. And it's like like in my pocket. It's like yeah. oh oh shit. <laughs> Uh, so one, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. Yeah. And two, I want to invite you to tell the fine folks where to check out you on social media or wherever they can check out some of your stuff and check out your musings of life and oh, such. My musings. It is. As said in the beginning, Teresa is still an emerging flower. I'm still blossoming. So you can just follow me on Instagram for now. I'm public. I'm not private. You can even just stalk my store if you want, but it's at Teresa with an H T H E R E S A dot X U A N dot Bui B U I Teresa Sun Bui and there is a website coming because I need to apply to stuff quick <laughs> and so hopefully you can keep up with me then and also you can just talk to me in person there you go <laughs> So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank Teresa Bowie for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. Uh, you just got to look for it. <laughs>